Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. I am so excited for today's guest. M.L. Buckman, a.k.a. Matt Buckman, is a very prolific author, but I first heard about him because I was at AnchorsCon this year, and he did a really interesting workshop on estate planning for authors. In fact, he has a book about it, Estate Planning for Authors, Your Final Letter. So that is what we're going to talk about, a nice light topic for the day. Welcome, Matt. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, I love being cheer- doing cheery things. <laughs> right? Get, you know, get your morning coffee. Let's talk about death. All right. right. <laughs> Which is actually how it came about. Oh, over well, your morning coffee? <laughs> no, over death. Um, my my wife came to me and said, you know, our kid's really afraid of the day you die. And I was like, well, you know, that's not bad. And no, no, it's because she understood that this estate would be coming to her that was good for 70 years past my death. And she had no clue what it was. And so I spent a year trying to research and explain what I did and come up with a form that she could keep it going for that 70 years of copyright that exists Mm -hmm. after my death. And that ended up, after I did all the research and wrote the letter, it was like, oh, I should write this for other people too. Well, that could technically be for another generation beyond her, actually. Her children would have to then take over at some point. Yeah. Kind of funny that they're like, what do you do exactly? You're like, I'm an author. Hello. (laughs) Now, she knew knew that. She used to send me to my room to write. But she she didn't know the ins and outs of it. (laughs) No, she's in autism treatment. So Mm -hmm. she has nothing on publishing. Mm-hmm. Now, you've written a lot. Are these all, I know you've got like 70 plus books out there, a lot of short stories. Are these all self-published or is it hybrid, like some publisher, some self-published? I had uh, 15 of them were traditional. Mm -hmm. The 70 books, the 120 short stories, the 50 audio books were all indie. And I just recently got all my rights back. So now I'm 100% indie. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, in regards to estate planning, how would you include publisher books as well? I mean, obviously, self-published is easy. It's your stuff. But then you get into things like, you know, the publisher has partial rights or whatever. But that makes a difference since you own everything now. Right. But before that, um, there was a whole level of education I had to do for my heir about contracts and reversion rights and the 35-year reversion rule on copyright, which is that you can go out no matter what the publisher says it's in the law after 35 years and just pull back all the rights oh my word. which is why we're seeing things like suddenly credence clearwater started re-releasing five or six years ago because they had a terrible contract but they managed to reach in and pull back those rights on the 35 year mark wow. now, your book kind of reads like a worst case scenario for a lot of different you know fields and, and of creative people um, kind of as a cautionary tale <laughs> yes. and then and then explaining what to do, you know, in those situations and why it's important to do these steps, you know, to prepare your quote unquote final letter so that everybody knows what to do and when to do it. Yes. The, so many people are so complacent about 
or refusing to face the fact that at some point you are going to die, sorry, um, or become debilitated or have Alzheimer's or something, this block of IP is either going to die or it's going to move on. So I actually wrote the beginning partly as a scare tactic, like wake up people. When I give this talk in public, the first question I ask is, who here has a will? And maybe a third of the hands go up. Maybe. That's terrifying. Probate courts can take a half of everything just for the pain of having a no-will estate. Uh, so the first half, yeah, it was, are you freaking out yet? And then, now let's talk about the steps the simple logical steps that you can do to prepare your heir so that they aren't overwhelmed when this thing lands on their heads. Well, I already sent the book to my mother as well, uh, which is why I'm so interested in this, not just for my own work, but my mother is 82 and she's written, she's working on her sixth novel right now, mm -hmm. all self-published to this point. But, you know, we kind of joke about me being her agent, quote unquote, but that's not really an official thing or anything legal binding. So, you know, it, it, this has just been a huge eye opener. It's like, you know, what what do we need to do to put this all together? Like, I I barely even know where anything is, you know, like just even finding her files and things is just, you know, there's the basics of it, you know, just starting from, from square one. And to think, you know, beyond that, now there's all these other things. I'm, I'm like, we really need to sit down and, and work on this. And it's going to take some work. It's not something you can just do in a day or two. Yeah. But the, what I tried to do is break it down into digestible steps. The first step is to have your mom give you a tour of her office. Yeah, the accounting is over in that file cabinet. Uh, you know, here's my ledger of where I've published things. And the files are not on the laptop. They're actually on the desktop. Or they're scattered across the desktop. Okay, but at least you've seen where everything is. The next step is, let's try to organize things a bit. And then you start getting into, well, let me write a letter that will explain what the heck I've done here so that somebody who isn't a publishing person could walk in and at least find everything and figure out how to pass it on to somebody who can deal with something. Uh, right. The final letter is kind of like the overall product you're trying to get to in your, in your book. Ultimately. Uh, why don't you explain... Yeah, explain to everyone what that final letter is. What it is, it's it's not instructions. Because if you make it instructions, it'll conflict with the will and it'll end up in court. What it is, is this is what publishing is like. Actually, the first page is, here are three publishing friends who can probably explain things to you. Here's my CPA. Here's, if you have an agent, my agent. If you have a publisher, my publisher contact. So it's just... All the contact information is that first sheet. Uh, then you go in and you start going, okay, let me give you a very basic publishing education. 20 words of vocabulary will cover you. Then let me tell you, okay, there are five or six different ways that you can manage an estate like this, whether it's, you know, full on, you want to take it on, learn everything, do it yourself to, you know, doing what George Lucas did was he sold Star Wars to Disney for a lot of money, $4.06 billion, and said, okay, I'm done with it. Do whatever you want. So there, 
different ways, which I delineate in the book and in my draft letter, that say, okay, you'll make less money as you go down these tiers, but you'll also have less effort. Hire a publisher. And I'm one of the things I'm trying to do is set up firms that can do IP management of an estate. And so that's, I proselytize that one a lot. I talk to every VA firm I can. Uh, I talk to industry people. How can we set up something for the indie estates? Because it used to be your agent would take care of it. Actually, the agent's grandkids is who you're making the deal with, which is a terrifying thought. So <laughs> I won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I never had an agent. <laughs> Now, we'll just steer people towards the book or one of your workshops if they want to know how to actually do the estate planning and write the final letter. But since your book came out, which it was written in 2017, obviously the landscape's changed. How do things like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, like any of the social media content, because technically wouldn't that be IP as well, especially if people are, you know, vlogging or making sketches? How does that figure into the landscape? Or you're like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I touch it briefly. And mm -hmm. in this, in the book, I said, uh, I, I give a little talk on IP is infinitely divisible. A friend of mine calls it the magic pie. No matter how many slices you cut out of copyright, there's an infinite supply of slices. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, just audio alone. You can have full cast with music. You can have full cast. You can have read. You can have read by author. You can have read in an English voice. You can have read not dealing with translations yet. You can have AI generated audio now. That's coming and it's here now. I'm looking in, I'm working on it. Um, so just audio can be divided into all those different pieces. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Hollywood put out uh White House Down, and what was the other one? Same year, same story, and he licensed it. Um, Olympus Has Fallen, was that it? Oh, yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's the same story. It's got the same original IP copyright story, and he managed to frame it so that it was split into the same year. Oh, God, whoever his agent was or whoever pulled that deal was awesome. <laughs> but, you know, TikTok becomes like that. And do you own it? That's one of the other questions is terms of service. If you put it on Facebook, you don't own it. Mm -hmm. They do. Uh, if it's an Amazon review, you aren't allowed to use it because it belongs to Amazon. I don't use TikTok, so I haven't, I've claimed my profile, but that's it. But I haven't mm -hmm. gone in and looked at what their terms of service state. Do they own it or do I own it? So it's one of those things that's going to continually evolve. And part of the way I address that is my final letter continually evolves. So if I change a CPA, I don't send an email to the kid. What I do is I make the update in the final letter. I package it up with the spreadsheet of my most recent spreadsheet of what I've published and where it's published. And I send her a fresh copy to just keep on her computer. It's just there. And if anything ever happens, she can open it. We'll have all the most current contacts, all the most current revised information in the body, and the key file that explains everything I've done and where it is. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's amazing because the landscape is always constantly changing. And just 
thinking of the fact that you have to think ahead and be like, okay, what's the new change this year and update Mm -hmm. it every single time. Yeah. You know, I've always wondered, like, if you have like a TikTok account and you have a million followers, that account becomes valuable because of that audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you die, can you transfer that account to some other person who could then like, like you talked about books being taken over by other authors and things like a book series and stuff. Could someone else take that over and license that, that account to then produce more content on it to that audience? More than it could five years ago. Five, yeah. five years ago, it was actively illegal to use a dead person's email account. So mm. if you died, the, the way the terms of service on a lot of the providers read was, sorry, that's it. This email is closed. That's the business email. Everything travels through that. So they've, they've started shifting over to go, oh, oh yeah, this is an electronic asset of the estate. And so it can move with the estate. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned AI as well. That was something Tom and I talk about all the time, just especially now, like in Hollywood, and I'm sure it's going to hit, it's already, like you said, hitting audio. I'm sure it's going to hit publishing, controlling your likeness, your voice, even your works. What if they can, you know, get your manuscript and write your, in your voice books after you're dead. I know you're a big Mm -hmm. fan of your dead, get over it. But like, what do you do about stuff like that? Or you're that, just like, you're dead. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the piece of you're dead, get over it is it's truly out of your control. Mm-hmm. Now, what you can do is you can tell your heir, I don't want to be turned into Princess Leia at 22. After, you know, post-mortem. Mm-hmm. But it's a wish. The question is, what does your heir want to do? And sorry, you're going to be dead. So let your heir know your choices, but the decision is theirs because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you chose to leave it to them. I mean, theoretically, James Earl Jones could be doing commercials for, you know, ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, his voice, his, his heirs, uh, he's still alive. Don't get me wrong. But his heirs at some point could license his voice to read copy for commercials and they can do that actually they can yeah um, in fact there is there's an ai company um i worked with another client that is not only mimicking you know celebrity voices but it's using ai to have them speak in language that they would use like to speak like that person <laughs> and respond respond like as if an ai you know personality to conversations so you could literally have a conversation with Matt McConaughey, for example, and it would respond like Matt McConaughey would based on, you know, if you put in everything Matt McConaughey ever wrote or said, it would analyze that and kind of formulate responses based on his, his, you know, personality and tastes and likes and dislikes and political views and everything else. So it's really kind of freaky in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I've got five or six million written words now. Uh, You could feed that in and you'd get a book back out. And it might not make the most sense yet, but the AI tools are ready to the point where you could steer a framework into it and it would come out with my voice, my written voice as a, as a decent story, because you have a creative going in there and steering the AI at this point, five years from now, you may not need to steer the AI at all. There, 
you know, they're already looking at context in voice AI of, okay, this is look at the context of the sentence and decide if it should be lead or led or read or read, you know, all those, mm-hmm. hom- all those, uh, semi homonyms. <laughs> it's the opposite oh, of homonym, um, where they're spelled the same, but sound different. Um, a homophone. Is that a homophone? Might be. Uh, but they're getting to the point where they're interpreting down to that level. And they're starting to get some of the emotional where you can go in and say, no, no, it's looking and seeing this is shortcut, clippy dialogue, shortcut, clippy sentences. So I'm going to accelerate the whole thing. So I'm doing it a little faster. This is narrative paragraph. I'm going to stretch out the pauses. They're doing that already. Wow. I already have an entertainment lawyer and I have a lawyer for games because I do game development as well. So now I need an IP attorney. Is that the is that the kind of estate planning attorney I need at this point for this kind of for my writing and all my other projects? Yes and no. I I had my estate planning put together by an IP attorney. And the solution for me and it's going to be different for di- different people, but the solution for me was they put it all my IP in a living trust and they moved that trust to my heir, whether it's my wife or my kid, whoever's surviving me. Um, and I have a game too that I based on my best-selling series. So that IP is going to keep expanding and keep changing. The trick is when you get to the other side, now the wife or the kid or whoever has control of this trust. Somebody comes up and offers them a contract. That's when you need the IP attorney. Absolutely. Because they have to sit there and go, no, no, please do not sign that. Uh, Where the heir probably isn't going to know that. So what would be the biggest mistake you see creators make in estate planning? Not having a will. Absolute. Number one, hands down. Mm -hmm. Number two is being disorganized. And the joke is they're wasting their own time. Little side story. I lost a book cover at one point. So I went searching on my computer and I went looking over here in Photoshop, over there in science fiction, over there under covers. And I suddenly realized that I had so many places this stuff was stored. I couldn't find it, locate it, control it. So I took, took me half a day. I took half Ooh. a day and I, dragged everything into logically named folders. I have a big folder called books. I have a big one called business and I have a big one called marketing. And then in books, I made folders for series. In those, I made folders for cover, for title, and in that for cover, archive, and production, the actual produced item. Now, anybody can knows, and it's just one line in my letter, go to a books. There's everything. Then I made an Excel file, one line per title, and it has the title, the subtitle, the price, the ISBN number, and where it's been published. All one line. So I've got this thing now with 200 odd lines because I have so much IP. But if they open that file, they know everything I have and where it is. So do I, which saves me an immense amount of time. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I started organizing according to how you outlined it in the book with the Excel sheet. And I realized I had the same thing. I had stuff everywhere. And I was like, wow, you know, because you work on a project and you put it away and you don't think about it. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like you- it took me a whole day to organize myself. You have to go in and do that closure. You have yeah. to go, OK, I'm now going to. And this I got from 30 years as a project manager. Um, you have to go in and close the project. And it's a it's a task. Close the project. And what that means, maybe make a folder, make sure everything's in it, it and mm-hmm. add one line to the Excel sheet. It could be that simple. Now, as you get into some of the more complex properties, what you may need to do is come up with a one sheet for that property, which could be many pages long. And it, by a one sheet, I just mean a Word document that at the top says, you know, Miranda Chase series. There are books, games, short stories. They are scattered like this. Oh, and there are three options. <laughs> Wouldn't I love that? And then there are, you know, um, streaming rights, AI audio rights. And you may just have to write a one sheet of a series or a, a particular piece of complex IP if you've got it well subdivided just to keep track of it. But again, that's a gift of gold to whoever has to clean up your estate. Yeah. So I tell my kid, you know, take the USB, you plug it in my machine, you copy these three folders and you go hand it to one of these three people. And then that person goes as a publisher can go, oh, look, oh my God, it's all organized. Oh, it's all self-explanatory. And they can then start working with the air on how to manage and enhance the IP. Nice. Yeah. Now, here's a question. If the creator's elderly, like in Tom's case with his mom, would you recommend start switching, handling the IP to your heirs? But if they're still of sound mind, just wait until they're they're gone? What do you recommend in that case? Um, I'd say every situation is different. Mm-hmm. I have a good friend who her IP manager is her son. He isn't a writer, but he loves the admin. He loves the design. He's really good at ads. So he, t- she is allowed to just sit and create. And then he picks it up. She hands it off and he produces it, puts it out. So he's already fully on board because he loves that. He goes to conferences with her and t- he, you know, they're both taking completely different set of notes. It's actually kind of cute to compare them. <laughs> The joke is, and I beat up on them both about this, she hasn't named a secondary heir. Oh, Oh, my son's going to take care of it. You two travel together all the time. You live in the same house. What's going to happen if something happens to both of you? And it's like, no, no, no. My son will take care of it. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) So it, like I said, it's different for every person. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if mom wants to unload a chunk of it onto you, Tom, go for it. If you're willing to pick up that chunk. Um, and that chunk may be, mom, show me where everything is. Let me take a copy and I'll keep the master file. Now let's make sure your will covers all this. Great. And that may be your level of involvement, which is, you know, a couple of afternoons. Yeah. Um, the thing I worry about, and, and you bring this up in the book, is 
if you die without anything in place, you don't know who's going to be controlling it. It's like you, you think about someone like a Stephen King or a, a George Lucas or whatever, you know, where they're literally like dynasties and you can't just quote unquote pass it on through normal means. It's like it really needs to be managed because the person who who takes control of that could really screw it up. You know, like you said, things can get locked up with the wrong people for up to 35 years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I gave a couple of examples in the scary section of the book, uh, but I'll share one on the air. Uh, Alan Drury, who had 1960 New York Times number one bestseller of the year, also Pulitzer Prize winner. That was a trick that wasn't repeated until the Goldfinch in 2015. By the time he was done with his six books and successful movies and so on, he was so sick of New York that he told his executors, which were his drinking buddy lawyer and his bartender, to tear down the estate when he died. So they tore down the estate. They unpublished everything. They got the rights back and they sat on it. His heirs were living on food stamps. It took them 15 years in court to get the rights back from the two executors. And I happened to be in the conversation where they were pretty excited because they had just gotten an offer for $3,000, which to them was a windfall for all, all rights to all six books in perpetuity. Ow. That's, Yikes. Yeah. You know, that's terrifying. That's just terrifying because people don't know. So that's one of the things I talk about in the letter and in the book is this stuff has value. And um, if you make it a mess, are they going to fight for it? You know, Elvis Presley was broke when he died. He was a year from total bankruptcy. Priscilla is the one who said, well, this is my daughter's legacy. So I'm going to sue the colonel in court. I'm going to get the rights back. And she's the one who turned it into a $400 million business. She already had a multi-million dollar business. She didn't need his money. Um, is there going to be a Priscilla to clean it up after you? <laughs> you know, like as creators, you know, our legacy is our work and yeah. we should be as concerned about what happens to it while we're alive as what happens to it afterwards. Because that's what we're leaving behind. And if it, if it doesn't get taken care of, you know, that's then our legacy can die or disappear or be, you know, absconded with. I actually think of it a little differently. The legacy is what I'm picturing. The income for my heir is the reality. So I would love to have a legacy. Yeah, I would love to have. My Miranda Chase thrillers reign supreme. Um, the bottom line is I want my kid and my grandkid to receive income to help their lives be easier. And maybe if it receives enough income, they'll help other people's lives be easier. That's the real yeah. legacy for me is by passing on this IP cleanly so that it's used and leveraged. I'm gone. So legacy is a word I don't care about. Can my heir make use of that? And so it's just a little switch in thinking. It's not that mm-hmm. big. You know, we're getting into semantics. <laughs> right. No, but it's all, it's, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I read the whole, your whole book and it, you know, it really got me thinking about really getting serious about this now. 
And uh, so, well, if other people are interested in doing that now, now that they've heard you talk about it a little bit, you like Roshni did, she took your workshop. Where can they uh, find more information about your workshops and how often do you do them and stuff like that? Uh, I do that one only at conferences. Uh, basically, I stand up and yell at writers. But <laughs> the, the book was intended to be the workshop. So you can get the workshop for, I don't know what it is, $7.99 or something. And I also tried to structure the book so that if you know somebody who got caught with receiving a mess, it's a step-by-step educational guide as well to the air of, okay, here's why you should be scared. And now let me hold your hand through the steps of figuring out what's here, getting a little publishing education. What kind of people do you talk to? What kind of traps do you watch out for? And so I tried to engineer that book. So it's both the wake up call for the writer and it's a pass forward. Gotcha. Basically, look at your website look, and you can find all you need to know about the book. Yeah. Uh, what about your up- upcoming projects? What else do you have work? Are you working on as far as uh, writing or other projects? Uh, at the moment, I'm deep in my uh, thriller series. Uh, I just finished creating a game based on that thriller series, which is was totally fun. It was a pandemic project. It was insane number of hours. I mean, truly insane, but it kept, <laughs> kept me out of trouble. Uh, I'm going to keep pursuing thrillers for a bit. And I have a project I'm looking at in 2023 that isn't really announced yet, but uh, I'm going to be putting together a magazine. Oh, wow. Because I want to expand my market reach. And if I can help others expand their market reach at the same time, we get a cooperative win-win, which is, makes me very happy. (laughs) So if people want to find you online or social media, what are, what's your website? What's your handles? All that good stuff. Okay. Everything, everything is under ML Buckman. It's M-L-B-U-C-H-M-A-N. The website is .com. Twitter, it's at, um, I use social media very little. It gives me hives. Uh, <laughs> the The best way to contact me is go to my website and click the about button. I answer all my email myself. Awesome. So, um, but I do try to watch Facebook and Twitter and there, my announcements go out there. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody make sure. Oh yeah. This has been, this has been really very helpful. Really cool. Everyone check out his book, estate planning for authors, your final letter by ML Buckman. You can get on Amazon, anywhere else online. Everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) And we will see you guys soon.